Welcome to the Sports Innovation Institute podcast, located inside the School of Health and Human Sciences at IUPUI in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Travis Smith, a proud sport management alum, adjunct faculty member, and associate editor of the Sports Innovation Journal here at IUPUI. On this podcast, we look to highlight the innovative practitioners and scholars in sports to learn and design Think the Future of the Industry together. Thanks for listening to the Sports Innovation Institute podcast. All right, so we're going to talk about hashtag ODU to ODU. So we're going to explain that throughout this podcast episode. I'm here with the authors so why don't you both kind of tell me which ODU you're actually representing, your name, and, and what kind of department and research interests you have. Okay, I'll go first. I'm Brendan O'Halloran. Um, I am currently a lecturer in our Department of Communication and Theater Arts at Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. But when I first met Dr. Strode, uh, we were, I was actually a doctoral student in sport management at Old Dominion University. And my name is Jim Strode. I am an associate professor and the chair of the Department of Sports Administration at Ohio University. But at the time of this paper, I was the uh, professor and uh, graduate dean at Ohio Dominican University, a small private uh, liberal arts school in Columbus, Ohio. Is your guys' research interest uh, typically delve into sports or are you more uh, just whatever seems interesting at the time? We both largely do sport research, but specifically, I was, I happened to be doing, when we first met, I happened to be doing my dissertation and it involved sociological interactions through Twitter hashtags. So I was very much in the hashtag space. Um, and that's how I, when I ran into Jim at NASM in Orlando, I was very interested in forming some sort of a collaboration between classrooms. And my research, um, for the most part, has been in um, in leadership and pedagogy. When I shifted from a faculty member um, to the the dark side, the administration side, um, you know, I really started to explore more more issues of how we can become better teachers, how we can become better administrators. So this connection with with Brennan to to investigate um, uh, a way that we can. Um, enhance a very pertinent and relevant component to, you know, our, our world, social media in the classroom. It was, it was very appealing to me. Yeah, so let's just kind of dive into the actual project and assignment. Um, it involves two different universities that you both uh, were at and basically used a pen pal philosophy. I think it's uh, referenced in the paper. And uh, so tell us about that idea uh, of the assignment and then maybe some of the details of what's ex- what was expected of the student. I'll start with the overall philosophy. I like to, and it sometimes blows up in my face, I like to give minimal directions on assignments. I like it to be a journey of discovery for students to help figure out. And so we formed this connection between classrooms, and then we said, okay, go to it. And we didn't give explicit instructions at the front end. We wanted to see where, where they went with it. And in all honesty, too, um, this was this was good and this was bad for the students, right? Because you know many students are looking at class as potentially transactional, where you know I tell me how many posts you want me to make, tell me how many assignments or how many pages do I need to write to be able to get an acceptable grade. Um, we entered this project nebulous when it comes to creating this hashtag and you know a whole semester of engagement. So some 
you know, we're, we're all in and some sort of kind of came in towards the finish line with, with their tweets, um, trying to meet that, uh, meet that uh, quota that they created for themselves. So, so what was the problem that you were all trying to solve? Um, so basically, why did you see it necessary for your undergrad students to uh, kind of interact with others that they don't know through social media to talk about sport? If you look at the statistics, a large number of the first jobs for students coming out of sport management and communication programs is in social media. And so we wanted to provide something tactile and hands-on so that students could say, we did this, and to practice these skills that many of them would end up using in a professional setting. Students use social media uh, primarily to connect, right, to connect with others, but um, not necessarily understanding the, the power of social media and how social media has started to transcend traditional media. Um, we, we know that now college athletic departments, professional sport organizations, um, and even high school sport organizations have, whether it's full-time staff or athletic directors dedicated towards this space, we knew that it was important that our students knew it beyond just connecting with with their friends. Yeah, and it was interesting that you use Twitter and um, now almost every social media platform uses hashtags, but you use Twitter to build on Browning and Sanderson's three goals of using Twitter in the classroom. I think that was from 2015 study and, and use those goals as the basis of your research questions. Uh, could you kind of expand on what those three goals of using Twitter in the classroom were? Certainly. So, you know, we looked at um, um, that particular article and obviously better engaging participate, participants in the media process was, was the first piece, helping transcend barriers, ge geographic barriers, which, you know, as we discussed, not to give a spoiler alert, but as discussed in our, our ending part um, with it being 2020 and the, the COVID-19 issue, um, that uh, really um, rung true to what faculty could be doing today um, to be able to connect uh, students better. And then finally, enhancing participation and strengthening an online um, uh, a virtual community was, was the third piece. And one of the interesting things is there's a, if you can call it a divide, a digital divide among users of social media, but also those who teach social media as well. Jimmy Sanderson is somebody I know quite well. I met him at a conference of, geez, almost six years ago now. And he's quite evangelical about the value of it. But it's interesting, you read his, and we almost predicted at the front end that we wouldn't be able to match the lofty goals of that. But that's because in social media, you have your hand raisers, your people who are eager to take part, and your people who just want to punch a, punch a box, meet the obligations of the assignment. And social media professionally is not about meeting the obligations of the assignment. It's very initiative focused. Well, and I, I'm interested to see, if, I know you mentioned kind of about the, um, in the paper about the, um, the participation of the students, but do you think this could work with other social media platforms if you kind of use this same thing as, as uh, whether it was Instagram or, or Snapchat or TikTok TikTok or YouTube, anything like that, do you think the same kind of goals of using Twitter in the classroom could have been used with other social media platforms where the students actually are? Because it, it goes with trends, it seems like. Um, I am a hashtag evangelist. And I think the thing about the hashtag is it creates a community. It creates a hub. It creates a link that people can gather at. So 
any platform that uses a similar mechanism that allows people to easily affix to a community, I think could work with this. I happen to be partial to Twitter because I think it's, for me personally, the most interesting site. But technically, I think you could do any. It's funny you mentioned TikTok because that's the one in my classes, my students, when they have social media assignments, they're all TikTok all the time. And that's happened literally overnight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say Twitter too, with, uh, you know, Twitter, you, you go for, you go on to Twitter for information, you go on to Twitter for, for news, you go on for dialogue. Um, you know, Instagram may be the escape and TikTok may be an escape. Facebook is, <laughs> Facebook is Facebook, right? It probably would be more, um, uh, you probably could replicate this better on Facebook and correct me if I'm wrong, Brendan, but if we were to do this again, you know, it seemed like someplace where you could uh, create that community um, of information, I think would be the, the best, best avenue. Yeah. Well, Facebook becomes almost a, like a calendar. Mm -hmm. And so we could, we could create a private Facebook chat and it could be bounded. Whereas what we did is our stuff is just infiltrated with all the other Twitter content out there because that's mm -hmm. sort of the way Twitter wrote. Whereas Facebook creates groups. And so I think a Facebook group, but then it's sort of, then it be, it's easy for it to become just another thing for them to do. And so the challenge is to try and get them to incorporate this class into their social media day-to-day -day practice. Yeah, I, I use Twitter as my newsfeed. I, you know, I think more, more, more people are using it to build their own brand, to be able to jump in on conversations and kind of put their two cents in, which... Uh, I think the sports industry professionals is huge uh, for Twitter on that. Uh, LinkedIn's catching up because LinkedIn's now starting to have better publishing features and using hashtags and a lot of stuff. Um, and so they have better messaging features now than they used to. But I think Twitter is still a really popular place for this space. But it is interesting for other um, uh, professors listening in that are looking to do a project where maybe they can use the same philosophy and put it and you kind of choose your own social media platform. Maybe you ask a survey of students of what your, what mode you would actually participate more on if we put it on there and then kind of let them guide it as uh, Brendan that you were kind of talking about, about, uh, about letting them kind of guide it a little bit. One of the both opportunities and challenges of Twitter is to use a sports analogy. It's a counter punchers medium in that on Twitter, you react to what other people say and there are different ways you can do that. And so expansive posts i was actually one of the things i was pleased with is when the students discovered polls because that was a way for them to create content that would foment this interactivity but by and large when i'm on twitter what i'm doing is reacting to what other people post and so that in itself became a challenge at building an online community yeah creating your own content instead of just reacting to it yeah and we intentionally kept the, the topics light, right? We wanted our students to get to know each other and what uh, not only the sports space, but also each other's universities too. You know, Old Dominion and Ohio Dominican University are vastly different institutions in two different geographic areas um, with two different sportscapes around it. So um, it, there, was, there was no shortage of information that these students could share um, with each other. Um, and I think that, you know, when you look at a LinkedIn where we're looking at career development or professional components, you know, Twitter just seemed to be the best match. And being Columbus being in the middle of Ohio, the Cleveland Indians run to the World Series actually was one of the things that that helped prime the pump a little bit for these conversations.
Yeah, I searched the uh, hashtag. Which people listening, if you search on Twitter, the hashtag, uh, your class's tweets actually come up. So, um, and the Indians was was definitely one of them. Uh, the second research question asked how students would suggest improving the experience. So, what did you think of the overall student participation? You kind of leaned into this a little bit earlier, but how how about their participation and their buy into the project? And any tips on improving? participation for future projects going this route you know it, it was it's it was fascinating reading the the students responses because you could tell the students that were your your achievers your overachievers that were all in and your students that were um, just trying to, to check that box and get through the assignment so um, obviously the achievers and the overachievers uh, they wanted structure right they wanted you know more direction and they wanted um, some way for us to to give a kick in the tail to the the other ODU, whatever ODU that was, to get some of their students um, tweeting more and engaging more, uh, because anybody any faculty member who's ever run a discussion board before online knows the plight of you know you, the discussion board is only as good as the students who participate in it and the flow uh, flow could be inconsistent at times. We didn't say you have to have X amount of tweets per week. Um, you know, there could be a, a barrage of tweets during the World Series and then a dead period for a couple of weeks where people were not necessarily engaged. So I think that, you know, again, we've addressed with the nebulous nature of the structure, um, you know, many students did want a little bit more direction with that. Speaking of nebulous, though, it's hard to assess this. I did get the sense from the anonymous surveys from students that they liked it. They thought, you know what, this is something different. I don't think it necessarily hit the mark, but I do think something in this space is a valuable exercise for students. So it's a question of how much do you, do you scaffold it? How much do you structure it? But I think the rough framework was there for something interesting that could be done between any two classes in any subject. Yeah, and we, and we talked about how you collected data just then. So can we talk a little bit more about how you collected it, what you actually used to get data, uh, and then the analysis of the hashtags? Because it's pretty fascinating how much info you can even get with hashtags. And then also, um, you, you, you mentioned a Qualtrics survey. Um, yeah, they're the two parts to, to assessment. The, um, it's interesting. We did them almost in reverse order. At the end of the survey, we, the, at the end of the class, we distributed a survey to the participants gave a minor incentive for them to do it. And then we re, uh, reviewed each other's students because I'd be able to tell what students were writing. So we, uh, we reviewed each other's students. So we did that analysis first. But the great thing about for researchers about Twitter is just search a hashtag, make it chronological, and you've got everything. It's still all there three years later. And so we just grabbed the whole data set. But, and this was a unique thing. Because Twitter has become so multimedia friendly, we couldn't just put it in an Excel drive because a GIF doesn't show up very well in an Excel drive. Fortunately, there was a small enough sample, it was 400 some, that we could do a manual analysis of it. It would be more challenging if there were 10,000 tweets with GIFs and all this other stuff. Hey listeners, a quick message and then we'll get right back to the interview. I wanted to quickly tell you that the Sports Innovation Journal is now accepting submissions. If you have or are looking for a place to publish your innovative thoughts and studies on the sports industry, then please consider the Sports Innovation Journal. We are an open access journal and our target audience is the practitioner looking for answers to the questions and problems in their job. And we want to attract and publish researchers that are identifying and studying those questions and problems. 
If you are interested in learning more about the journal and wanting to submit or sign up to be a reviewer, then visit the link in the episode notes or email Dr. David Pierce, the editor and director of the Sports Innovation Institute, at dpierce3 at iupui.edu. dpierce3 at iupui.edu. Now let's get back to the interview. What about the uh, survey? Like, what was the overarching theme of the questions? You're, what were you trying to get out of it? Um, and then is there anything that you, looking back at the responses that maybe you wish you would have asked or, um, or what was maybe the most helpful question that you asked? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. So, you know, we, we had nine questions, um, you know, with the survey um, from, you know, what did you learn about the other ODU? Because again, you know, getting them to engage, we wanted them to show some sort of reflection that they, they did take away uh, some new information about their, their new virtual friends at the other ODU. Um, we certainly all also wanted to know um, how we could improve the assignment, what sort of gaps exist, um, their favorite part, their least favorite part of the assignment. So we were really trying to get them to reflect upon, you know, not only what they learned, but also how they could use it and how we could improve it. And I think it was low stakes for both the students and for us, because we didn't go in saying on this week, we're going to do that. We had a very unstructured approach as well. Yeah, and um, we don't want to give all of it away because we're going to link the paper up to this uh, to this to this podcast and everything, but what were some of those suggestions or the feedback that you got that maybe you could improve it? What was uh, maybe two or three items that you received? The one I liked actually was the idea of weekly challenges or quizzes or something to say, okay, achievement unlocked. If you look at how video games are structured, if you look at how other online things, if you play Candy Crush, you're trying to achieve a goal. And so the suggestion that we affix our participation to some sort of a goal was actually a really clever one. And I think something that if I was to do it again, if Jim was to do it again, we'd probably consider incorporating. It didn't come out uh, in the data, but I do recall, um, you know, standing in front of the class when I introduced this, this topic and a couple of students were a little hesitant. They didn't want to use their own personal Twitter uh, account to to be able to engage this assignment because they have a persona they have uh, um, they didn't want to unlock uh, the privacy settings so a few of them did actually create their own um, but I think it, it is interesting too because with that being said um, we had some students who talked about hey you know engagement was difficult in the Twitter space, um, but it was easier when I direct message somebody, right? So they, they went back to the old school approach of, I'm just going to reach out to this one person that I don't know at the other ODU to gather information because nobody knows when to hop in and say something um, when you have, you know, 30, 40 students participating at once. Yeah, three years later, I can still remember Jacob Collinsworth, who's a baseball player. At, yeah. uh, he was a hero to students in my class because they could always go to Jacob to get the answers they need. Oh, uh, Jacob, great kid, great kid. Well, that's a great point you bring up about privacy settings and, and maybe being more willing to send a DM uh, instead of just putting it out there in public. I didn't even think about uh, really the, the hesitancy there, but that's, that's really real, especially if you have someone in the class that maybe they're not – uh, that outgoing of a personality type, or maybe they're not, they don't see the value of uh, their career going that route. Maybe they're just taking the class. And so uh, I could see some pushback on that, but 
for the most part, it seems like most people were, were okay with using their personal accounts. When I um, teach social media in my classes, I counsel students away from creating something for an assignment because it always ends up gathering dust, that site. And the fact is, if there's anything on your personal site that's going to keep you from getting a job, you shouldn't be tweeting it in the first place. There's so much stuff out there, nobody cares. But if you put homophobic things or racist language, well, then what's that doing on there in the first place? And so you're going to get more activity on the Twitter site that you can download automatically on your phone. But it's hard to convince students because they all believe they're creating this persona online. And they're all kind of the same, but that's just my old person view. No, and I think if people are going to have a LinkedIn account, I've, I've told people that I think Twitter is kind of the, the modern day LinkedIn um, because you can be more engaged. And all. That's, I, um, I actually got rid of my LinkedIn um, because I was using Twitter so much more and, and guiding uh, on that. So uh, I think that's a, that's a good point that you should have a, a pretty clean, uh, clean social media site. That way you can actually use it to help you get a job too, which is many of the and- goals. I'm sorry, I'll go on and on here. Clean doesn't mean boring either. You can still have fun with your Twitter media account, but you don't want to be stridently political. You don't want to be fighting with strangers. Yeah, good points. Uh, So you learned some key lessons. There's six in the paper. Could you maybe share a couple of those that you think our listeners, which we know they're all going to go download the paper too, but maybe what some of the, uh, some of the, the key lessons that you found out of it. And one of the pieces that came up in the literature, and, and we know this uh, intuitively about social media, is it helps make us, it, it shrinks the world, right? It uh, um, makes geographical differences go away. So being able to, you know, connect, whether it's on Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter to somebody on the other side of uh, the country, the other side of the globe, um, and, and engage in a relevant conversation in a community of interest, um, you know, was was. Uh, was fascinating and certainly something that uh, we think that not only do you know our students need to know going into the career space but one other thing that uh, I think is uh, we didn't address in the paper but I think it's very relevant for anybody teaching this or even for those people that may work in an athletic department is now with the name image likeness from the NCAA and uh, student athletes developing their own online uh, profile and, uh, you know, quantifying that. Um, I think that there's a lot of lessons that can be gleaned from an assignment like this or an activity done within an athletic department to help students and student athletes understand, um, you know, the, the value behind their, their social media brand. And I can say this from having taught social media for seven years. Today's students don't know social media nearly as well as we think they know social media. Well, it's always changing too. And so it, there's different platforms, current platforms change algorithms, they change uh, the ways you can communicate, but um, all good lessons. And I, I think it's really valuable, but what was the, is it common to have multiple institutions like yours in this project actually collaborate on a classroom thing? Cause let me, let me just say, I've only, I have undergrad and grad degree. I, I've only had that experience once, and it was when I was a student and undergrad at, I, at IUPUI. I had an instructor who taught the same class, but he was he would teach two days a week in Bloomington at IU Bloomington, and then three days a week at IUPUI. And we were the same class, but we got to engage in projects with students we didn't know, even though it was the same university setting. 
So that's a little bit different than this, but I'm just, it makes me curious thinking back to that when I was reading the paper, is this something that's common or do you think it's, you see it happening more often than I think that, you know, a lot of institutions will, will band together when it comes to experiential learning trips. You know, I know that, you know, at OU, we, we combine with a handful of other institutions and travel together and do projects uh, virtually over the semester. But I think, you know, all the credit goes to Brendan and coming up with this idea a few years ago um, to be able to do it with social media. I haven't seen much of anything out there, a faculty actually connecting uh, classroom to classroom using social media. Um, but I think that most of the, the connections with other institutions have happened in a more traditional manner. But um, having been, you know, I'm dabbling in research and we meet other faculty members who are doing cool things at conferences a couple of times a year. And so these type of connections are ready made. And so I feel like this is dipping your toe in the water. I could absolutely see some sort of a March Madness style, not competition, but goodwill exchange between multiple schools. It would take a fair amount of legwork on the front end, but I think the more elaborate it is, the more interactive it'd be for students. Yeah, and um, I think uh, doing stuff like this, we wanna encourage them and, and educate people that are listening on how they might be able to do this. Were there any type of hurdles that you have to go through administratively to, to be able to even be allowed to do a collaboration like that? There may be any advice that you could give someone that might be thinking of approaching their they're uh, superiors about that? Well, um, I'm not the administrator in this conversation, but I would never ask the administrator before doing something like this. I'd just do it. Let's let the let's let the dean talk or the, the the chair talk about this. Well, I yeah, certainly you know with uh, the simple research protocol of Human Subjects Review Board, you know we went through that process. But other than that, um, you know it's you know, the once the student puts the hashtag out there, obviously it's it's out there for everybody to see. And the information that we gathered uh, from the students was voluntary and you know part of our our Human Subjects Review Board protocol. So um, now there's the barriers are pretty pretty thin. Did both classes use similar gradebook method for um, this assignment? Yeah, the assignment was exactly the same in both. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's really helpful for anyone that might be getting some ideas flowing by listening to this and reading the paper. You can see more of the action steps in the paper. You know, I, there's two things that stick out again while I'm reading it, um, reading it over before uh, before this recording again was one how valuable this could be if COVID-19 extends longer or we get a reappearance of COVID-19 and more things are pushed online. Think of the awesome dialogue a project like this could have um, with, with students that are in a virtual learning experience. And then two, we talked about it before we hit the record button is, is could you imagine how incredible right now the back and forth could be if this same assignment with different institutions, different classrooms, used real-time participation on ESPN's The Last Dance uh, or the final dance, whatever it's called now, the uh, of Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan miniseries. Because, you know, a lot of the debate with my generation, I'm, I'm in my early 30s, 31, and, and people younger than me, my students, you know, you share their opinions on um, on LeBron James. But what about that debate between a Michael and, and LeBron? This could really, it'd be interesting to see the dialogue on, oh, that's why they compare him and him. And then comparing the Chicago Bulls to the modern day Golden State Warriors. I could just see the back and forth of maybe, oh, okay, that's what that's what my uh, teacher was talking about 
as far as, as those debates. Could you imagine if something like this was playing on uh, at a project like yours? Yeah, an instructor can only hope that something uh, major happens during the semester that elicits conversation. Like we talked about, the World Series happened to be the one piece that that connected uh, our students. But uh, but yeah, no, I mean it's in this day and age that we're living in, uh, this uh, global pandemic. You know, a television show, a series, a docu series, um, it would certainly um, elicit a lot of uh, debate and conversation. So you you hit that on the head, uh, Travis in fall of 2016, um, meme culture is about 750 times more sophisticated than it was then. I feel like the right cohorts of students would just take this and go crazy with it. I agree, especially the ones that are really uh, following those, the social media accounts of the pro sports and the, and the college sports. Um, there's a lot of great content out there and and I think if you combine that content, those students with your guys' project idea, hopefully this takes off and we start seeing some more institutional collaboration. All right, so that's gonna wrap up our podcast. Uh, I do have to have one final question. Is there any future plans for you guys to try this again in, in a classroom setting? Well, if we're online only this fall, I'm gonna be looking around for opportunities to do interactivity, um, you know, out of the box ideas for sure. And we have the syllabus set. So if we're teaching the right class, I would say that uh, we'd both be game. I appreciate you guys being on the Sports Innovation Institute podcast and uh, submitting your paper and can't wait for people to download it uh, with, the, with the audio combined too. So I appreciate you guys being with me today. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Travis. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sports Innovation Institute podcast. Be sure to follow the Institute on Twitter at IUPUI underscore SII and let us know what you thought of this episode. If you know of an innovative business program or researcher that you think we should have on the podcast, please email me, Travis Smith, at TDS at IU.edu. And please consider the Sports Innovation Journal if you are looking to publish your new and creative ideas to move the sports industry forward together.